The Daily Tap is live for Tuesday. We are going to discuss who is safe within the Packers organization. We'll also talk about the Bucks' win against the Detroit Pistons, but why they are too thin for comfort right now. We'll also give some Packer trade deadline thoughts. Since this podcast is late, the deadline is going to happen here later today. I don't want you just being like, oh, I have all this deadline stuff, and it doesn't mean anything if you listen a little bit later um, and anything like that. So that's what it is. And then tap list, uh, the best November games um, at the tail end here. Uh, apologize for late. It was a late night at the Trichler State. We'll talk about that at the end. Maybe a little Chuck's Corner thrown in there as well. Before we get going, just so you guys know, tapping to Keg on Twitter, tapping to Keg Sports on Instagram and TikTok. But for those who are new, that's where we are social media wise. Uh, when it comes to rating and reviewing, uh, we'd really appreciate that. If you are already subscribed, uh, Apple, Spotify, wherever you listen. If you're not subscribed, we are on those platforms. We're also on Google Play. We're on Good Pods. We're on, we're really anywhere. Um, wherever we get your podcast, we are there. If somehow we're not, um, let me know. And we're happy to make sure that our podcast is getting fed there. Um, we can work and get the RSS there. Um, but we should be. If, the R, if they have an RSS feed, we should be getting picked up. So let us know if we're not. Um, we're happy to make those adjustments. All right, let's talk safe ratings and the Green Bay Packers. Green Bay Packers are three and five. We know this. Uh, the Green Bay, it's not great. Uh, it's not been the best eight-game stretch of Packer history. Um, it's one of probably the worst in Aaron Rodgers' career. We'd have to go back and look at eight-game stretches and see what Aaron Rodgers has been throughout his career. There's a lot of questions around Aaron Rodgers. There's a lot of questions around the Packers organization and how they built this team. I think there's a lot of frustration from the fan base, which there should be. Uh, I don't think anyone expected to be three and five at this point. I think even if the Packers were worth four and four, right? Like say they beat the Jets or they beat the Commanders. And I think people would have taken four and four because I think there would have been a general assumption you lose to the Bills, you lose to the Buccaneers. Those are two scheduled losses. And then you had two dumb losses in there and you could take four and four. Um, but because it's three and five, it looks ugly. You're two games under 500. You have a long way to go before you go get back to the mountaintop. And November is going to be difficult for the Green Bay Packers. And we'll talk a lot about the November schedule. Like the November schedule is going to be a topic of conversation, but it also means absolutely fucking nothing if you don't beat the Lions. And the Lions is a must-win game, a game that I worried as a trap game to start the year, which it, it was. I, there's no way else to look at it. You played the Bills, you played Detroit, and then you played Dallas. And I personally looked at it and was like, okay, the Packers could lose back-to-back -back games because they're facing this spunky Detroit team who never seems to give up, but that Dan Campbell sort of never give up is sort of running thin. And you see this with sort of these rah-rah coaches, these fire-you-up kind of guys where once you start losing a bunch, the shit goes stale really quick. So I think that might be happening here with the Lions. I they, they did play well against Miami, but we're not here to talk about Detroit. We're here to talk about who's safe or who's not. And if the Packers continue to lose and shit continues to go sideways, it's not going to be pretty. And there's going to be people that lose their jobs because there needs to be sort of a pseudo rebuild of the Green Bay Packers. I wouldn't call it a full teardown, but some might be advocating for it. I think we talked about it with the Brewers last week or whatever, whatever it was, where everybody loves the sound of a rebuild because the rebuild is like this reset. You're like, okay, let's just completely try to figure it out again. I will say that an NFL rebuild is a lot easier than some of the other sports because of the amount of draft picks you have because of the way the salary cap is like I, I do think an NFL rebuild can happen a lot quicker than say NBA than say MLB for sure I don't know about hockey I can't I can't speak on that but I, I look at the an NBA rebuild and I'm not necessarily or NFL excuse me NFL rebuild I'm not saying it's a it's a bad thing like it can't it can't happen I mean you look at the Bears right you get rid of Robert Quinn for a fourth-round pick. Now you have an additional fourth-round pick. You get rid of Roquan Smith yesterday. You have an additional second-round pick. You have an additional fifth-round pick. Right now, the Chicago Bears have four picks in the top 100 with two third-rounders, which is a conditional so, uh, conditional pick, right? Uh, oh, no, it was a conditional fourth-rounder? No, 
Who, did they, who got a conditional third rounder for their guy? Oh, that was the Giants. Excuse me. I'm thinking of the wrong, wrong trade. My bad. But the Bills, or the Bears, excuse me, still have, you know, three picks in the first two rounds. So they have that. And then they have an extra third round pick. So they have four, four total picks on top 100. That, that's going to usually get the job done. That's going to be how you build a franchise. And if the Bears get a guy like Jackson Smith in the Jibba, get a guy like Kendall Butte maybe in the second round because Butte has had a terrible uh, senior year, but very talented wide receiver at LSU. You know, they get one of those guys to sort of work with Justin Fields. All of a sudden, Justin Fields, you know, goes off like a rocket ship and Justin Fields' career sort of takes off. And there's that that potential is there. And I saw somebody who's a Bears fan, and I had a buddy who's like, are we sure about J- Jalen Hurts? There are a lot of Eagles non-believers, which is funny. Um, you, when you hear the national media and how much they buy into the Eagles, a few of my friends just do not buy into the Eagles, which is fine. They're my friends and everything like that. But they're like, you know, the guy pointed out, like, Tua got, got Tyreek in year three. Uh, A.J. Brown came to Jalen Hurts in year three. And if Justin Fields can get somebody in year three, it could basically take off his career. Uh, there was someone else they mentioned, too, that were like, they got that guy in year three. And all of a sudden, like, it just became this huge thing for Tyreek Hill. Uh, or not Tyreek Hill, excuse me, Tua. Oh, Josh Allen. He got Stephon Dix. So we'll see if, if Justin Fields gets that guy, whether it's a rookie or an actual disgruntled receiver who probably won't play in Chicago. I mean, Chicago is a good place to play. It's a huge city. There's a lot of allure to Chicago, but that's usually not the type of move that the Bears made. So we got we got off track here. Yeah, we talked a little bit about rebuilds because we talked about the safe ratings and who, who actually is safe for the Green Bay Packers and who should be feeling maybe a little heat. And let's start with Aaron Rodgers. Let's start with the quarterback. And I think Aaron Rodgers is safer than most. Um, I wouldn't say he is the safest. But I look at that contract and I just don't know how many people are going to trade for it, right? Especially in the AFC. Because I don't think the Packers would trade Aaron Rodgers to the NFC. I think if an NFC team called about Aaron Rodgers and Brian Gunacoust is working out some details, I, I personally do not see the NFC team being like, are we sure? Like, are we sure we're making the right move? Like, if Atlanta called, who has a ton of cap space next year, if Atlanta called and was like, we want Aaron Rodgers, and you're looking at it and you're like, okay, we could trade you Aaron Rodgers for Desmond Ritter and other pieces, right? And, you know, I, I get the perspective from Atlanta. They're like, we have Drake London, we have Kyle Pitts. You know, we could we could essentially give Rodgers another couple of years on life because he's in a dome, like it's a big city, you know, he'll be embraced, all this other stuff. And the Packers could look at a guy like Desmond Ritter, who is maybe similar to Jordan Love. I, I'd have to like look at it. Um, I don't know what the similarities, differences between the two guys are. But you look at Desmond Ritter and it gives you more time with him. And you can build around it versus Jordan Love, where you probably have to pay Jordan Love in two years. And what does that contract even look like? I, I have no idea at this point. And so Atlanta would be a team, but are you really going to trade him inside the NFC? I, I don't think so, right? Like I, it, it would be far vast where you would send him to the AFC. And Favre always thought he was going to go to Tampa when they were ready to deal Favre. And the Packers, at the last second, pulled an okey-doke and traded him to the Jets. Jets would be another team that has a ton of young talent, but not a great quarterback. Would the Jets make a move like this? Aaron Rodgers and the New York media would not work out. I just want everyone to know that. Like, it would not be pretty with Aaron Rodgers and the New York media. The way that he talks does not work for New York. I just see that as a complete disaster. But if the Jets were to trade us, you know, some of their young talent, Elijah Moore, right? Disgruntled, Elijah Moore be in that mix, you know, one of their young defensive players or draft picks to to the moon for Aaron Rodgers. Now, I think they're not that type of team. I think Joe Douglas, you know, wants to be aggressive, but I, I do also think that he wouldn't just completely pull the plug on you know a guy like a guy like Zach Wilson and say okay we got to go with a, a old quarterback. I also think the other part about the Aaron Rodgers thing is that you're looking at Russell Wilson this year and how much it has struggled and how much it has been basically a pulling teeth experience for the Denver Broncos. 
And why would any team want to do that again? Why could any team sell themselves into the idea of an old quarterback coming to revive your team? It doesn't seem like it is the new market efficiency. If Wilson lit it up this year for Denver, if Denver was the toast of the town and Nathaniel Hackett was getting the praise that Brian Dable is getting right now, let's just say, yeah, I think I think then we have a totally different conversation today about Aaron Rodgers, right? I think we have a very, very different, like, hey, maybe he gets moved. Jacksonville is another team that came to mind. Now Jacksonville doesn't have a ton with cap space, but as my friend Eric points out, the cap is fake. It's not real. And if, if Jacksonville is like, hey, we'll give you Trevor Lawrence for Aaron Rodgers plus some picks, I mean, you have to have a conversation. Uh, I definitely think that Aaron Rodgers' trade value or where he is in the trade value rankings, if you did did it Bill Simmons style, is kind of lower than it used to be. Um, and I think some of it's performance. I think some of it is you know maybe the way that Rodgers is running the offense versus the way Jordan Love could run the offense. I think Geno Smith plays a factor, right? You can't ignore that shit. Like, you just can't. Like, I, I try really hard. I realize it's different. I realize it could be apples to pineapples, right? And I love using that phrase, but it, it's true, right? It, it might be entirely different with Jordan Love, but seeing what Gino does, you have to consider it, right? And you have to, have to at least acknowledge it that that could be Jordan Love. So yes, I still think Roger is safer than most, but I, I do want to point out that there could be potential suitors. Moving on to Matt LaFleur. Matt LaFleur is as safe as it could be. I, I, would try, I was trying to come up with scenarios where Matt LaFleur would lo- wouldn't you know, be safe. Packers would have to lose every game going forward. I still think Matt LaFleur would keep his job. I think people would be pissed, but I think we, people would look at the body of work of Matt LaFleur and say, all right, this is fine. Um, this is suitable. I think losing all those games might might rub people the wrong way, but it would be an overreaction move. And I think you'd at least give LaFleur the first half of next year to write the ship. Also, I don't think you're going to lose all those games. That to me isn't like losing 13 straight weeks. Packers are too talented, right? They're going to fall their, their self ass backwards into a victory or two. So yes, I, I don't see any world where Matt LaFleur gets you know fired or anything like that i do think that if the packers were to win only like six games let's just say i think that his seat gets hotter and he still might get a full next year to sort of figure this all out i actually think that consequence that they lose six games the guy we're going to talk about here in a second and i i just i i personally don't think Matt LaFleur is going to get fired. I know I have friends who are frustrated with LaFleur who don't really like LaFleur. We didn't like LaFleur last year. Um, and it's a little crazy. I'm not going to lie. Uh, but maybe they're right. And maybe they they were ahead of the market here on, you know, kind of shorting the LaFleur, LaFleur stock. We'll see. Um, but I think Matt's about as safe as it could possibly be. Moving on to Aaron Jones. So Aaron Jones is a very interesting contract. Packers are playing, paying Aaron Jones about a million dollars. They're also paying him about 3.5 in bonus. Uh, they did that last year too. Um, it was a very Packer-friendly contract. Um, Aaron Jones, definitely a leader of this team, but has a very affordable contract. Aaron Jones, I don't know if he's in trade talks today, um, but he could be. And it also could be something where the Packers move on from Aaron Jones and begin with A.J. Dillon because there's you got to pay Aaron Jones 19, I believe, million dollars in the next two years. He has $8 million next year. 11 million the year after. It's not a suitable contract for the Green Bay Packers. Do I think Green Bay might try to restructure with Aaron Jones and sign Aaron Jones to maybe a longer term deal? Sure. If the the TV money comes in, $8 million for a running back might not look like anything. And they might be able to look at it and say, okay, we can we can make this work. We can figure this out. But the running back thing is always a really tough conversation. And how do you, how much do you value running backs? I do think that Christian McCaffrey's success last week against the 49ers, while it could be one of one because McCaffrey, when healthy, is as good of a player as there is in the NFL, has driven up the value of running backs. And I'm sure Kamara, you know, New Orleans is asking for a price tag similar to what Christian McCaffrey got. That's kind of known at this point. 
And yes, deadline spur action, as Andrew Brand has said countless times, and he's abused taglines. Like when you abuse a tagline, when you just keep saying it, it gets sort of, it, A, it gets ingratiated. Like now I always will associate the Andrew Brand, but it's also all I know about Andrew Brand. And uh, I, I look at this and I, I, I think that there, there needs to be, there, there needs to be a discussion at least had about trading Aaron Jones. I, I, I will say what I said yesterday, which I stand by, is if you trade Aaron Jones, it is similar to the Josh Hader trade. I think you kill whatever sort of spirit you had in the locker room. Aaron Jones is such a great guy. He is such a lightning rod for the not only the community, but also the Packers. And he's a leader. He's a captain. It, I'd be hard-pressed to trade Aaron Jones unless it was an offer that absolutely blew your socks off and you felt like you could still make the playoffs without Aaron Jones. I don't think they can make the playoffs without Aaron Jones. I will I will plant my flag in that. I know A.J. Dillon looked good last week, but that was the best we've seen A.J. Dillon since week one. And what if A.J. Dillon goes down? Then it's Patrick Taylor? I don't know, man. Like, it's it's a lot there. I know Kylan Hill is back healthy. I don't think we have Taylor Goodson on our practice squad. We might. So, like, we have running backs, but I'm not ready to be like, okay, Tyler Goodson, while has a similar RAS score as Aaron Jones, it doesn't mean that he is going to be Aaron Jones, right? So, I would be hard pressed. I would say he's kind. I'd say he's kind of safe, just based on contract. Because I, I do also think that next year they could move on and say, all right, it's AJ Dillon's team. We're giving the keys to AJ Dillon. We're going to draft a Jones-like running back to complement him, and then you just kind of start this process all over again until Dillon's contract's up. Then the guy who's the Jones-like running back, he takes over, like Jameer Gibbs of Alabama for example, is basically Aaron Jones. Like he he reminds you a lot of Aaron Jones. If you watch Alabama and you watch how Jameer Gibbs, you know, handles the football and catches it out of the backfield, he has a lot of Aaron Jones in him. Now I don't know where Jameer Gibbs will go, probably second round, third round. So it means the Packers will have to, you know, expedite that as a priority, which always worries you because usually when that happens, Green Bay's like, oh, we need a running back in the first three rounds. Okay, we'll draft it in the fifth. Right, <laughs> we'll get a Jameer Gibbs guy, but he'll be from like fucking Tulane or goddamn SMU or some bullshit. SMU doesn't run the football. That's a bad example. Who who be going to say? Oh, like Eastern Michigan or like South Alabama? Like that would be the guy we get. Not 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 the kid from Alabama. Oh, my only worry with Gibbs, just really quick, and then we'll move on to the next guy. Uh, is that he played at Georgia Tech and Georgia Tech's a run first offense. He's had a lot of mileage on him, so that's that's my only like. Concern. It's kind of like a Big Ten running back, but Kenneth Walker, right? Kenneth Walker has probably been the best rookie running back this year. I mean, he, well, I, we don't know with Brees Hall, right? If Brees Hall stays healthy, would have Brees Hall been that role? But if Brees Hall is another good example of this because Brees Hall, I mean, he had a ton of carries in college and unfortunately got hurt. But yeah, I, I, I think Jameer Gibbs would be on your board if you were to move on from Aaron, Aaron Jones, not Aaron Rodgers. Freeman slipped there. All right. Other safe ranking, we have Brian Gutekust. So Brian Gutekust to me is, I wouldn't say it's get the fuck out, but it's kind of safe. And there needs to be some questions to Brian Gutekust about how he built this team. We'll see what he does at the deadline. But the fact that Green Bay didn't have a great plan after Devontae Adams and said, all right, we're just going to patchwork this with rookie receivers was extremely short-sighted. And something that Brian needs to own, right? Brian fucked that up. I, you can't be perfect. You can't be, you don't, you know, we all fuck up. We all make mistakes at work. But Brian's are exemplified because he's the GM of the Green Bay Packers. He's a GM of a team that expected to be a Super Bowl contender without Devontae Adams. I hate to compare the Chiefs because it's kind of like comparing the Warriors and we always, we always look at the Chiefs as sort of the model franchise at this point. They've sort of replaced the New England Patriots in that regard. The Chiefs got off of Tyreek Hill. Tyreek Hill looks like the best receiver in football, right? But nobody's talking about the Chiefs without Tyreek Hill because look at the guys they brought around him. They got Juju Smith-Schuster, a guy wanted for the Packers. They didn't get him. They paid. They overpaid MVS. I will admit, I would not have gave MVS $11 million per year, but maybe the Green Bay Packers should have. Just straight up. They should have probably paid MVS. I realize Christian Watson does similar things to MVS, 
But I, I think it's worth acknowledging that you may have could have worked on a deal that would have paid MVS maybe $12 million versus $11 million. Again, I didn't want to give MVS that money, but he's helping the Kansas City Chiefs. They have Michael Hardman, who they had for years, who was helping out, again, a lot of fast receivers, basically adding two guys that could match what Hill's production is. They go out and trade for Kadarius Tony. They have an awesome tight end in Travis Kelsey. The Green Bay Packers don't have any of that. Okay, yes, is Christian Watson's not inability to stay on the field a huge, huge sort of deterrent of this? 100%. There is a world where Christian Watson has been healthy this entire year and the Packers are five and three or six and two, right? And we're not talking. And it's exactly the same conversation that we're having about the Chiefs, which isn't one. No one's talking about the Chiefs without Tyreek Hill, even though Tyreek Hill is probably having the best receiver season of the year, right? No one's talking about the Chiefs and Tyreek Hill because they're winning. And that's what happens, right? And Devontae Adams isn't having a great year, so don't get me wrong. Like, it's not necessarily this, like, breakout year for Devontae. And in any ways, Devontae's been extremely disappointing. So there is that part of the equation as well. And I, and I don't know what it looks like if Devontae's on this football team. But the Packers didn't do enough to make sure they were set in the receiver room. And Brian Gunacus needs to own that. That needs to be on Brian. And the draft picks have faltered, as been pointed out by the media, which is it's so, it's such a nod to like Brian's not doing his job. Uh, shout out Matt Scheidman for this, where it's like, oh, he has seven guys on the, on his defense, and they can't seven first rounders on on defense, and they can't hold anybody. That is an indictment on either Brian Gunacus for getting guys that can't actually play defense. Or it's Joe Barry. And because we're not making any defensive moves on the defensive coordinator, I were, I'll assume that it's Brian Gunacus. Or is Matt LaFleur way too loyal with his guys and that somebody needs to step in and make a power play and say, Matt, we have to fire Joe Barry. I have too much talent on this defense to be giving up 27 points and giving up 24 and a half. And if the if they were to lose to Detroit this week, it's a it's or it would be a week too late on firing Joe Barry. And that's that's my fear, right? Is that at some point we get cut up and it's a week too late. And that's that's just so Packers. And Brian Gunacoust, again, this is on him. He built this roster. This is mostly him. The Ted era is gone. And this is the roster that Brian has and it's been underwhelming so far. Now, could he fix it at the deadline? Yeah. If he makes some deals today... I think we're we're definitely talking a little bit different about how Brian Gunacus has approached things. But at this very moment, the Packers are what they are because of Brian Gunacus. And that's that's tough. It's a tough pill to swallow. And that's why I'm not necessarily at a get the fuck out point with Brian. But if this continues, I have to at least entertain the conversation because this is his roster. This is nobody else's roster. And yeah, that could fall on the coaches and you make some massive overhauls and maybe pay Vic Fangio out the ass next year. And you say, all right, Vic, you're running our defense and maybe that fixes things. But you also paid to get Rich Passaccia to fix special teams. And again, you're not necessarily this beauty of the ball at special teams. Those have fallen apart. And if you have better special teams against the Jets, who knows? Maybe you win that game. I don't know. So we'll have to see. Okay. Other safe ratings, this segment has went far too long, but that was because I talked to you guys early on in this. Joe Barry, get the fuck out, right? Uh, I don't think, self-explanatory. I just, Joe Barry is not a a good defensive GM, especially when you could have had Invo, uh, I forget his first name, I apologize, the Denver defensive coordinator who's fucking awesome. And he was basically second, second, and Matt LaFleur hired his friend. Again, that's another ding against Matt LaFleur. That's the only reason why Matt LaFleur might not be as safe is because he's made some brutal coaching hires. And that part of the job has to be talked with Matt LaFleur, whether that's given to Brian Gunagust or that's given to somebody else in the organization. I don't know if it can be Matt LaFleur. Um, the Anasenovich decision, also not great. Um, so I, I do think you have to bring that into question for Matt LaFleur and what Matt LaFleur is doing. Potential restructure slash rebuild candidates like David Bakhtiari is a guy where he's he has an out next year. Dealing with that with Aaron Rodgers, I don't want to be in that room, right? Where you're telling Aaron like, hey, look, 
we have to maybe get off of David Bakhtiari. But he played most of the game. He was really good against Von Miller. He probably should have been featured in Golden Kegs. Like David Bakhtiari had a really solid game. But when you still have day-to-day knee issues, it leaves concern. Now he'll have another game on turf against Detroit before going home to the grass for two games. I, I just wonder how that will work. I wonder if Bakhtiari will be able to make it because they need David Bakhtiari against Dallas. They, they need their offensive line to be fully healthy against the Dallas Cowboys. That will be the hardest game for that, that, that line. And David Bakhtiari versus Micah Parsons is a heavyweight fight. And we'll see, we'll see what Micah Parsons is made of. Micah Parsons blows up that game. There will be MVP smoke around Micah Parsons without question. Geno Smith's getting MVP hype. Micah Parsons probably should get MVP hype too. Um, and Dallas looks very good. And, but uh, that game carries a lot more weight than just Dallas-Green Bay, which is a rivalry, but it, it's taking up a notch. We have turned it to 11. Okay, let me know if there is anybody else worth considering, worth talking about. Uh, hit me up on social, tag the Kaga on Twitter, tag me Kaga Sports on Instagram and TikTok. Uh, we can talk on any of those platforms. Uh, go start on Facebook too, tag the Kaga Sports as well. Okay, let's move on to the Milwaukee Bucks. The Milwaukee Bucks are 6-0. Their undefeated season continues. Uh, the Bucks look like the most safe bet right now in the NBA. But things are wearing thin for them where you start to be concerned a little bit. Uh, Grayson Allen went down with a knee injury. The Bucks training staff are calling it a knee contusion. You hope it is just that. Um, sometimes the Bucks have been known to do this. Uh, who can forget the Jabari Parker injury, where I believe they called it a knee contusion there too, and then it was a torn ACL. You hope that's not the case. And I know Allen was back on the bench. He didn't come back in. I don't think he was on crutches or anything like that. So maybe it's okay. Maybe it really is a knee bruise and he just can't move, needs to put some ice on it, needs to rest for that Detroit game on Wednesday, and he'll be back for the weekend with Minnesota and Oklahoma City. Or maybe he needs two days and then he's back for Oklahoma City. The Bucks are in a stretch of a lot of basketball and they don't have a lot of players. And this is now getting to the point where it's a little too close for comfort. I'm not saying pack it in. I'm not saying rest guys. But it's going to make things a lot more difficult in the next couple of weeks if Grayson Allen's out for a significant period of time. If Grayson Allen's just out Wednesday, okay, you can survive that. But you're, you don't have a ton of talent right now. Um, you're down Chris Middleton, Joe Ingles, Grayson Allen, Pat Connaughton. Those are four rotational players. And this isn't even a depth conversation. This is just four major rotational contributors. Four of our best shooters on the team are, are not playing right now. And if Grayson Allen's out for a significant period of time, it could mean there are a few Bucks losses here or there. Now Giannis can carry a team, but I also don't want Giannis feeling like he has to put everything on his back. I don't want Giannis to have a ton of miles in the month of November. Giannis has looked tremendous. Giannis to me is the... I don't even want to say he's the MVP. I was about to. I was like, he's the MVP so far. It's like, it's fucking, what, six games in? Like, we're not we're not doing that. We're not doing it. Um, that's just not happening. But he looks like at an MVP level. Can we say that at least? I think we can say that. He's at an MVP level at this moment, and he's playing really good basketball. But I don't need Giannis to play 35 or 38 minutes because the Bucs have absolutely no one to score the basket. I think they need to work on different offensive rotations if Grayson Allen is out for a significant period of time. I had some buddies who were like, why isn't Mamou Ciasvili playing more? I think that's a fair conversation, right? Uh, why is Serge getting the, the nod over him? I think Serge had a really good preseason, so they're at least rolling out Serge. But I do think Mamou adds a little more scoring. And can you sacrifice the scoring with some interior defense? Like, can you use Brooke or use Giannis and say, all right, Mamou, Mamou could play because even if his defense sucks, it can filter down to Brooke or Giannis, you know, who's there and then playing great, great defense. The Bucks do have a big four right now um, with Drew Holiday, Giannis, Brooke Lopez, and Bobby Portis. They scored 95 of the 110 points today. Um, that's not going to get it done against most teams uh, because the Bucks have a really good defense. Maybe they can do that and they just beat teams up and they're able to kind of take them into the gutter and that's how they win. 
Uh, but the Pistons are scrappy, man. I mean, I was really impressed with Detroit. I, I came away, honestly, from Monday night being more impressed with Detroit than I was with the Bucs. And it's not even a slight at the Bucs. It's just, okay, Detroit, A, was down 16 early on. It was a back-to-back. They had just beat the Golden State Warriors. They fought that entire fucking game. And Dwayne Casey, I actually think, is a pretty good coach. I actually, my... Not my brother-in-law. My my sister, or my my wife's sister, her boyfriend. He he's a Pistons fan, and he was saying how he was like kind of wearing thin on Casey. He's like, I just wish he showed a little emotion. Dwayne has a little bit of that Jim Caldwell face, but Dwayne Casey is a good coach, and I mean the fact that he got his guys playing for an entire forty minutes after a back-to-back, after a great win against Golden State. And they fought that entire fucking game. I can't help but give them credit. I can't help but look at that and say, okay, that's that's worth acknowledging. That's worth a golf clap, right? And Isaiah Stewart fought that entire game with Brooke Lopez and Giannis. And it was, it was you know, kind of something to marvel at. Cade Cunningham, right? Uh, he gets his pocket picked late by Javon Carter. Javon Carter hesitates for one second, and he needs to be better at that. He needs to just take it to the lane, but he hesitates, and Cade gets back, and he he doesn't just allow Javon Carter an easy bucket. Like, that's the type of stuff where you look at it and you say, that's winning basketball. Like, that's how you find yourself in the playing game because you you win a couple games you're not supposed to because teams don't want to deal with that. Teams don't, don't really want that smoky week day in day out in an 82 game season so I was impressed with Detroit I really was but yeah I, I think going back to the Bucks, it's it's just it's not a lot you're just going to need guys to step up and it's it's a hard thing to ask because they're in roles that you do not plan for them you need more from Javon Carter Javon Carter is going to need to have you know anywhere from 7 to 15 points a game going forward if Allen's out for a significant period of time. You need an occasional good George Hill game. You need Jordan Nora to not look like he belongs playing for FC Barcelona. Like you need those kind of guys to step up. And again, to the point, it's a tall task. And I think it's a good thing the Bucs have six wins right now. Because if they were to lose tomorrow or they were to lose to either Oklahoma City or Minnesota, I think we can, I think that's a better pill to swallow. I think we can understand it. And that's kind of a friendly reminder to Bucks fans. Like, look at right now, this is not a is not the team that will be at the end of the year. So don't overreact if there's a couple losses here that are coming because it's just tough. It's tough to do it every night. Also, if you keep if you continue to be undefeated, we talked about that we've talked about the target a lot this year, right? And said how the Bucks have a target off their back and everything like that. Well, guess what comes back when you're undefeated? That target. So I do think that that is growing um, with teams. I think the Timberwolves, who has been a, who have been a bad matchup in the past for the Bucks on Friday, will look at that as a potential you know selling point. It'll be a rowdy crowd in Minnesota, right? Uh, 9 p.m. start. I think you'll have a lot of drunkards. There are gonna be a lot of Bucks fans there too, though. Because you know, Bucks fans kind of got robbed last year. Who who live up in that area when Giannis didn't play? I don't think Chris Middleton played. It was a Saturday afternoon game. Um, so I think now because you have all the guys playing, obviously not Chris and some of the and Pat, but you're going to get Giannis. And it's a 9 p.m. It's an awesome. It's an awesome reason to travel. Mitch is going up there, so I'm sure sure we'll talk to Mitch about that, and then we'll we'll get his Target Center recap uh, the following week. So I look forward to that. Um, Mitch and I, as always, on Thursday for you guys. Tapping tap the keg Thursdays. I didn't realize that. Uh, how did I not figure that out? All right, let's do a quick Golden Kegs for Bucks Pistons. Uh, Golden Kegs is something we do for most games. Uh, we missed it last week because it's kind of weird to do like back-to-back Golden Kegs. Like, it's, I feel like only one should have the Golden Kegs thrown. I also don't think I'm going to do it for college this year. Um, so apologize to those who are Marquette fans. Um, it's just one of those things where I'm like, I, I don't want to overdo it. I think let's just keep Golden Kegs to professionals. Um, and we'll see maybe if we have some. We'll do reviews from Marquette, which, again, I have a bunch of Wisconsin people that follow me now. So on TikTok, at least. So I, I wonder how that's going to go. But we'll cross that bridge when we get there. Oh, I just squeaked. That was a good squeak. <laughs> Golden Kegs, uh, I go Drew Holiday, uh, number one. Uh, he nearly had a triple-double in this game. He had the, th- the step-back three to win it for the Bucks. 25 points, 10 assists, 7 rebounds, 
Really good night from Drew. Uh, he continues to play really well. And if this is the Drew Holiday we have the entire year, the league is in trouble. Now, I don't know if Drew is going to continue this scoring once Chris Middleton's back, but Drew's doing what he needs to do to help help this team. He won the Bucs the game really on, on Saturday, and he helped them win again on Monday night. Um, just excellent stuff from Drew Holiday. Um, it, I know his second and third quarters weren't that good, but he had an awesome first, he had an awesome fourth quarter, and that's all that matters. Two kegs, Brooke Lopez, another awesome day from Brooke Lopez. Uh, 24 points, I think he had nine rebounds. Um, just a very efficient day. Most of it done inside. That's kind of what I want of Brooke Lopez. I realize he had five threes on Saturday, but I think Brooke Lopez is at his best when he's doing a little bit more inside the paint. He was 10 of 16. Only two, only five of those shots were beyond the arc. That's the kind of Brooke Lopez night I want personally. Um, I just think he's a better, more efficient player when he's inside the arc versus outside the arc. And if you get that Brooke Lopez, it's going to be tough to beat. And I, I right now, early, very early, Brooke Lopez is an, is an all-star. So um, you can chew on that. And then one-star, George, George Hill. Uh, George Hill had a couple good games to start the year. Last two have been brutal. Uh, he's barely scored. He's played 17 minutes. You just need more from that. Um, you just need Hill to be a contributor. I, I realize we're all hard on Hill in the playoffs. He is a guy that can contribute in the regular season. Um, you just need... You know, anywhere from six to twelve points from George Hill would be would be welcomed. You're playing 17 minutes. You should be able to get something out of that. And the fact Hill's done absolutely nothing for two straight games. I wouldn't say is a concern, if you will, but it's like, all right, man. Like, you know, we need we need something here out of our backup point guard, and the Bucks are getting nothing. We'll see what happens when they have Detroit again on Wednesday. We are going to tape during that podcast. We're not going to do a post-game show just because, you know, it's a 7 o'clock start. And the and basically because of the 7 o'clock start, it is, you know, ends at 9.30. I do the review. I post it, everything like that. Before Mitch and I get going, it's like 9.45. For me, that'd be fine. I could do that. But Mitch is a goes to bed early because he has to wake up early. He has to grind early. Um, so we are not going to do a post-game show. We'll do it during the game. And we'll talk about, you know, the ins and outs of Bucks basketball during that one. All right, let's move to the Packer trade deadline uh, discussion. Now, I realize that when this is posted is about 8 o'clock. I realize that there could be moves that already happened. I, I totally understand that it's going, that things could change. I'm looking at the Twitter timeline to see if anybody got moved so far. We had Roquan Smith who got got traded yesterday to the Baltimore Ravens. That does help the Green Bay Packers. Um, you know, the Packers play the Bears in December. And while Justin Fields is emerging, we talked about that at the beginning of the show, uh, the defense now is real bad. Like, they gave up 49 to Dallas. Now they're without Roquan Smith. Now they're without Robert Quinn. Um, they, they, they don't have much left. Um, they have some decent corners in Jalen Johnson. But I don't, I don't really like where the Bears are defensively, especially if they get some injuries. Um, it could be very ugly on that side of the football. And I don't know, maybe Matt Eberflus, you know, he's a new coach. He's a defensive coach. Maybe he wants that. Maybe he wants to work with a lot of guys and ingratiate some of his stuff. And who knows, maybe the Bears' defense looks better. And it's going to be a slag for a month. And then, of course, when you face the Packers in December, maybe you figure it all out. But right now, it does not look like there have been any moves made uh, starting this out. So I, I'll i see if the Packers do anything, right? I think the Packers need to do something. Uh, they, I, I can't imagine them sitting on their hands. I, I really would be frustrated by that. I understand that Brian Gunacoust really values draft capital. I, I, I fully get it. I fully understand that. And I would be okay if they don't trade for a wideout, but they trade for something else on the roster. If they trade for a safety, if they trade for an offensive lineman, if they trade for a middle linebacker, if Campbell's knee is fucked. I know they said it's day-to-day. Uh, Detroit might be a long shot, but if, if they make a move for a middle linebacker, like a small move, right? Nothing major, right? If that's what they do, I- I'm okay with that. I actually think Wilson and McDuffie did okay, by the way. And I think if you get a full week of practice reps, then you'd be fine. Um, I'm not as worried about that. But I'm just saying, like, it doesn't have to be a wide receiver. 
if the if the price is too high for wide receivers and you go get a safety, I'm going to be okay with that because I think Darnold Savage is that bad. And I look at that side of it and I'm like, will the Packers make a move? Again, I, I stated the Jones thing a couple times. Like, I think that's hater-esque. Like, I, I would be very hesitant to do that because I do think that would affect the clubhouse. I, I really do. And I, I know it's actually a locker room in the NFL, but whatever, fuck off. It's, it's the same thing. It, it would really affect the guys. And I would be very hesitant, even though it's alluring, even though the opportunity is right there. I don't think that's a move you make with Aaron Rodgers. It's a move you make with Jordan Love. I think if Jordan Love's the quarterback right now, I would enter three and five. I'd be 100% in. I'd be like, yeah, do it. Pull the trigger. Let's go. Anyways, uh, I do think if you could trade Donald Savage, great. Will someone take on $7.9 million? Like Donald Savage is making $7.9 next year. That was a decision made by Brian Gunacoust. Ah, I don't know. It would. The only way it would happen is if you put him with somebody right? If you're trading Savage and you're also trading a pick for like a Chase Claypool, right? A couple picks probably for Chase Claypool. That's a move I, I would love the Packers to make. I think that Claypool is more realistic than let's say Jerry Judy. Um, I do think that the Packers are going to try to get somebody who's younger. I think they would probably prefer that. Again, I have no inside sources, but I, I think that that would make more sense, right? Because of the cap, because of Jordan Love and the and everything else. Like I think you would try to keep that receiver price tag cheap. Now I do think that a guy like Brandon Cooks would have an immediate impact with the Packers because he knows Matt LaFleur's system. He's worked with it and he gets he gets everything that he needs to do. And I know he's not had a great year, but again, I don't know if Davis Mills is a great quarterback. Like not that any of you care about fantasy football, but I traded Justin Fields last year uh, for Davis Mills and Amos Ross St. Brown. Originally, when St. Brown was going off at the start of this year, I'm like, I fucking won this trade. Davis Mills also playing all right. Now Justin Fields has emerged, kind of looks like a guy. Now, the guy who I traded Justin Fields to, we traded it to somebody else when he was drunk. <laughs> Hilariously enough, that said, I, uh, I I have a little bit of Justin Fields' regret. Not, I'm not going to lie to you guys. Um, and he's sitting on another fantasy team. And my buddies are in that league who are all... There's a lot of Justin Fields today. I, I'm not going to keep talking about Justin Fields. I'm out. All right. We're done. We're done. We're not... I'm putting in a moratorium. We're not talking... We're not a fucking Bears podcast. We're not talking more about Justin Fields. Uh, we'll see if the Packers make a move. I think if they sit on their hands, it's pretty bad. It's... I don't know how you can look at this roster and not make a move, right? I I, I just I can't I can't get over that, right? I, I really can't. And I hope the Packers do something. I hope there is a move on the horizon, um, but we'll see. Um, we've we've definitely been here before, where we feel like the Packers need to make a move and they don't. And I think what I don't want to see is oh the Packers were in the mix. Packers were in the mix. Like fuck you. Like I, I don't want to see any of that. Like, I just would, if they're going to not make a move, just come out and say it. Like, really, I know they won't. But just come out and say it at, like, 12 o'clock that, hey, we're not, we're not making any significant moves for any guys. All right, last thing before we ride out, uh, tap list. Like I said, I'm trying to, trying to do more, like, tap list and Chuck's Corner stuff. So we, we have a little more conversation, a little more that's not just, this is sports focused, uh, but it's not. Like I could do a Chuck's Corner. Maybe we'll do it tomorrow. We'll see how it goes about the Coyotes that are now in the Brookfield area. Uh, the reason why this podcast is going up late is because it was like 12 o'clock. I was ready to do the pod, which is a little later than I want to be, but here nor there. And I'm getting ready to go down, down to the basement to tape. And all of a sudden I hear what I think are like sirens. And I don't really hear sirens that often here anymore. I used to hear it quite a bit at, on Oakland. And my dog is just going bananas. She is going nuts. She's like ready to fight. And sure enough, I open my back door and I can hear like the cackling of coyotes. Like it's like a whine. They're loud, man. And if you know anything, my dog's a great Pyrenees mix. Uh, for those who don't know, I shot out Lil. And producer Lil, also known, uh, if you guys listen to having the keg, uh, they hate coyotes. Uh, their goal in life is to fight coyotes. Um, like actual, like their working dog, if they're doing that in the fields, they ward their sheep, they protect their sheep, they protect their herd from coyotes. Um, I didn't realize how much 
uh, the Pyrenees coyote rivalry is there. But if you look it up on TikTok, there are a lot of examples of it. Um, there are good examples. There are also examples of dogs getting in the fights, or Pyrenees getting in the fights with coyotes. Obviously, I don't want that to happen to my dog. So now when I take her outside, because I'm here, of course, by myself the rest of the week, um, I have to basically keep a watchful eye on her because I don't need her getting into a fucking fight with a coyote. I, I really, I really don't. I do not need that. Um, and who knows? She, she was kind of spooked yeah, uh, Sunday and I almost not wonder if she saw a coyote and kept her, kept him or her away. And that was what kind of spooked her because um, she was kind of acting weird on Sunday. And I, I'm starting to wonder now if that was why. But anyways, uh, that's the mini Chuck's Corner tap list here. So tap list, what we do is look at just, a, you know, different lists. Think, come up with different things. It started in November. I thought, why don't we do the top five games in November? Certainly could have been a topic on pod, but we don't, we, there's not a lot of need for evergreen stuff when you have the Packers and everything else uh, going on. So here's my list of games to be excited for as a, it's a sports fan, but also a, it's more a Wisconsin sports fan. There's a national one thrown in there. Number one, Packers-Dallas. I think that even if the Packers lose next week, which I really hope they don't, I still believe that that's a huge game for everybody, right? It's Mike McCarthy, it's Aaron Rodgers. There is a huge element to that. Packers-Cowboys, always good, always delivers. I'm really excited to be there. Um, I'm so looking forward to it. I think it's going to be an awesome football game, um, regardless of where the records are. It's a rivalry game to say I've been at a Packer-Dallas game. So I would admit, a little selfish, but I do believe the Packers will win, and I do believe that this will be sort of a game to maybe get the Packers right. Also, the fact that Kevin Burkhardt and Greg Olson are calling that game and not Buck and Aikman hurts. I'm not going to lie to you. Uh, that's, that's a bummer if you're watching it as a fan. If you're not at the game and you have to watch it, Burkhardt and, and Olsen versus Buck and Aikman is tough for Packers-Dallas. Number two, USA-England World Cup, Black Friday. I think it's at 1.30 it's going to be absolutely electric. I am so excited for that. Um, definitely something to look forward to. I think I'm probably looking forward to it more because I don't have to work Black Friday. I've had to work the last two Black Fridays. I worked for a retailer. So this used to be an extremely stressful time in my life um, to not have it. I didn't really realize it until yesterday. Like I put out a message on my LinkedIn or whatever, you know, wishing, wishing them luck. And which is genuine. I truly meant that. Like I, I really, I really do hope it goes well for my former employer. But I was like, man, I don't miss this. <laughs> um, I was like, okay, like I had a nice Halloween. You know, I had a nice day today. Like who knows? Uh, I could be a lot different um, if I'm in a different working situation. So yes, uh, I get to watch USA England. I will be out. I have something to do on a Black Friday, which usually I don't. Usually Thanksgiving week besides playing in a turkey bowl and trying not to tear your ACL. It's a quiet weekend for me, but there's a lot going on here and I'm pretty excited for USA England. And how can you not be? Uh, it's a rivalry in its own right. It's I'm sure there's going to be some aggressive things said about the Queen uh, during that game. And yeah, it should be, should be an awesome day. Um, and hopefully the weather holds up. I think that's really the biggest thing, right? If you had USA England in the middle of summer, it would be an absolute shit show of a day no matter what. When it's in the middle of winter, kind of, it's going to be, it's all dependent on how that weather is going to look. Number three I have is the Packers and Philly. I'm bullish on Green Bay, so I believe this game is going to matter. Um, I think having this at the tail end of the weekend with USA England as sort of the finisher um, could be great. And there could be a chance for the Packers to ruin the Eagles' undefeated season. And I welcome that potential opportunity. I think that there's something fun about that. We talked about the target growing with the with the Milwaukee Bucks and their undefeated season. I think it's only bigger for Philadelphia now. Philadelphia has a target. Like right now, there is a huge target to Philadelphia and what Philadelphia is. Number four, Bucks Cavs. You could pick either game. Bucks and Cavs play twice. They play, I think next Wednesday. Yeah, next Wednesday is Bucks Cavs, and then they play on Black Friday. So wow loaded fucking weekend of sports for uh, for all of us Black Friday weekend. And yes, I think those are huge games for the Bucs. Um, good measuring stick game for the Cavs. Um, I just want to check in on the Cavs. Are they a top four team in the East or are they in that second tier? Are they in the tier with New York and Atlanta 
Or are they actually a team that we need to consider as a potential top four? Donovan Mitchell looked great on Sunday, but I do wonder, was that potentially because Mitchell wanted to send a message to the Knicks? You have to at least consider that, right? Um, the Knicks were involved in the Mitchell thing. Mitchell's a New York guy. Um, you know, I, did he want to kind of put it to the Knicks? I kind of think it's more that versus um, he had just this awesome game. I think it was him sending a message than anything else. But those Bucks Cavs games to me are the most fascinating games on the Bucks schedule. Like I know they play the Sixers again. Uh, they play the Bulls. I, I'm trying to think. They have a couple other. In the Hawks again on on, two, on Monday night, but I look at that game and I, I feel like either Bucks Cavs game are interesting. I'm going to cheat with the fifth one and put two college basketball games worth watching. College basketball starts next week. Uh, we'll talk, I think, about Marquette and Wisconsin and UWM and Green Bay. I know they don't call it UWM anymore. I don't really care. It's just it flows off the tongue a lot easier than Milwaukee. Um, but anyways. Uh, we'll talk about that on Friday. Uh, I think I'm going to do that for Friday's show. Get, get us all ready for college basketball, which is crazy that it's here already. Um, Marquette Baylor, uh, it's an awesome measuring stick game for Marquette. I'll be in the house for that one. I didn't put Marquette Purdue because I've seen Marquette Purdue a couple times. I just want to see Marquette against this Baylor team. Shaka Smart obviously has experience coaching against Scott Drew at Texas. I don't know what Shaka did against him. I'm sure I'll look that up when we get closer and closer to the game. But yeah, it's a great opportunity for Marquette to send a statement. I mean, if you're able to beat either Baylor or Wisconsin or both that week, that's fantastic. That sets Marquette up for success right away. And if you were able to beat Baylor on Tuesday, obviously you want to be a rival in Wisconsin, but that becomes a more house money game for the Marquette Golden Eagles if you beat Baylor, right? Then it's like, you don't necessarily need to beat Wisconsin. You want to beat Wisconsin, but you don't have to on that Saturday afternoon. As for Wisconsin, the Wisconsin-Stanford matchup at American Family Field, which they've tried to solve the shit out of. Um, I've got, I can't tell you how many ads I've gotten for that. Um, I, I, I'm fascinated to see how it works. I'm fascinated to hear from people who go. I have a couple buddies who are going, how it will look. Um, I will probably tune in a little bit for it. I'll, I'll admit to you. Uh, but I I don't have a ton of interest in in it. I at least am fascinated. If it works, I will be a little more salty uh, about Marquette not being involved. I think that was kind of a joke that Marquette wasn't included in this. I realize you want to be inclusive and include women's basketball, and you should. And women's basketball is definitely worth bringing to the forefront in college basketball. It's something that more and more people care about. Um, and I think it's the product has gotten better, um, in my opinion. Uh, I, I don't I don't watch it, but I know people enjoy it, and I'm not going to shit on that. So I'm I'm going to acknowledge that while also saying I think Marquette should have I think it should have been you know this all day thing on Saturday. Like why wouldn't you just do it on Saturday? I realize you have college football, and that's why for Wisconsin. But why don't you do Wisconsin on set on Friday and Marquette on Saturday? Seems seems too logical. Seems like it would make too much sense, right? You have the court already fucking down. Why not, right? Try to sell more tickets. It's here or there. Uh, but yeah, I'll be fascinated to see how it works. I, the Wisconsin-Stanford mashup doesn't do a ton for me. But it'll be also be a good way to know what we have with Wisconsin uh, as Marquette fans, right? What, what, what are we seeing from this Wisconsin team this year? And what are they about? And like I've said with Wisconsin, we'll talk a little bit about them during the year. All right. This podcast went way too long. Too much Justin Fields, uh, personal stories, the whole thing. I hope you guys enjoyed it. Uh, was shot out of Canada. I do like taping in the morning. If I could tape at like 5 a.m. and get it so everyone has it on their morning commute, that'd be great. But I understand why I have to tape at night. I just, it's awesome to talk to you guys and I hope you guys enjoyed this one. We'll talk about the deadline. We'll talk about storylines for Packers Lions. Uh, we'll see if there's anything else that comes up, you know, bubbles up this today. Rogers McAfee always seems to be something, right? Uh, so we'll see what happens. All right, take care, guys. Have yourself an awesome Tuesday, and we'll see you tomorrow. Peace.